So I wanted to welcome everyone. Thank you for letting them in, Deb. Um, and I'm excited to start. And Mona and I were catching up because we have seen each other the past few years in Palm Springs and we've had great fun. So we were wishing we were together there again, but alas, we're happy to be here on this platform. Yes. 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 So thank you everybody for coming. And I'll do a couple of just um, housekeeping things. I'm Sibylla Smith, and this is our photo book book group. It's online, it's free. And if you like it, please pass it on to friends. Um, and we have an archive of the ones that we have done uh, over the last year plus, and that's on my website. And um, that's something that is really rich because what we do is we have unscripted conversations with amazing creatives and we ask them about how they did it and how what is the bookmaking process like and what about your process um, anyone who knows me that's what i'm all about that's what concept aware my curriculum is about it's teaching how you see and why it matters and what's going on kind of behind the camera um, that's making a really big impact on what's coming out the other side. Um, so one thing I like to do is at the beginning, um, ask people to support all of the entities that are supporting contemporary photography, um, all the local museums, all the um, nonprofits for photography, because they're across the country and they're across uh, different countries and they have a nominal fee and it makes all the difference for us to support them. And to also shout out about what they're all doing. It's a really active time, so I encourage that. So I'm going to open up with a, a short intro and then jump in. Um, normally we have a conversation and, um, and then we really encourage a dialogue. So we leave plenty of time for, for questions. Um, and uh, I will just preface my, my formal introduction with the funny thing that happened was when I first went to Palm Springs, I was a huge fan of Mona's. I had her in my curriculum. I was giving my class and because of my reviewing, I couldn't go to Mona's class. And I went in right after and said, hi, big fan, lovely to meet you. Wish I could have come to your class. And I said, I'm teaching in this room tomorrow. And she's like, oh, okay, cool. And that night we got put together at the same table, which happens in Palm Springs. They they bring dinner together with all of us. And then they have one table where they just randomly bring people and I get Mona and we get talking more. And then she's like, I'd love to come to your class tomorrow. Ah, that was so frightening. It was like, wait a minute. Like, okay, I'm really glad that you're interested, but now I'm, I'm hoping you like what I say. So anyway, we hit it off. And then the years after we've also had lots of fun in Palm Springs. So that's my informal, um, introduction, but here I will start with a little bit more of a formal one. So Mona, you are born in Brazil of German parents and you studied in the United States and you found your way to California. And I think of you as multicultural and actually not pinned to a specific location, but actually being in a few, in your European roots, in your Brazilian roots. Um, you speak several languages. Um, you're represented globally, and your subject is the human form. But as we will discuss and as we unpack this, it is such an expansive exploration. And, and basically, you, you use the form, in my words, as your medium. 
And what you're actually doing is just tremendously expansive. And I haven't even had coffee today. And I had this synergy happen between what I was doing for research and this morning have it all come together. So I'm, I'm going to be laying down some like uh, heavy interpretations, but I think it'll all be fun and it'll all be liked. And we are going to go move over to, um, I have a, um, a PDF with some of the images from the book um, works and also some of the quotes that I just wanted to bounce off of, but we'll get there in a second. Um, so I wanted to say that your technique and your subject and your purpose have just continually uh, strengthened and it's beautiful to watch how you intertwine them. And there's this thread that just gets clearer and stronger through all of it. And I feel like work is such a celebration of that because it really gets it and it really amplifies it. Um, I think of you like, um, like a biodiverse place um, that you take from so many sources and that's what yeah. makes it rich. You know, you don't limit and you also are willing to deal with the elements that get thrown at you. You know, it's not a controlling sense. It's like really about moving with what your core questions are, but I feel like you are so clear at what they are that it just, it, it's a beautiful thing to, uh, to see. And, and in this book, they talk uh, about your work being a longing uh, of our spiritual interconnectivity as humans. And that's what I think this morning was like this big like light bulb of all the pieces coming together and thinking over the days of how much you do that. So I wanted to say that the time you put into understanding and relating to your subject is almost like you enter a dance and that you bring an openness and a reciprocity and there is both empathy and intimacy. And in my words, you marry light, subject, nature, and created structures. And you create a monastic sensibility that has this pensiveness to it. And, and you get the sense that there, for me, and I think this is why you are so widely um, admired, is there is something transcendent. And I think with all the thinking this morning, I got to a little bit more of it. So this is my last of what I'm gonna say. I began thinking how you're a chemist and that you're waiting for the elements to settle. And then you capture this place where in essence, the relationship between the body, mind, our emotions synthesize and become one. And you capture it and you give it to us and we reflect. Like that, I think, is the power of what's going on. And you do it with nature in the same. You place us in nature. And I think of the animal body, like the poet Mary Oliver talks of our, our beings as our animal bodies. And you are taking nature. You're taking our animal body. You're taking other creatures. And you're making that same relationship where it's like, okay, this is all interconnected. And I think, you know, you'll talk about this in some of the quotes, I, I think I grasped it. You're very aware that this is fleeting. Like this is yeah. nothing stays, like nothing. And that fleetingness is, is a beauty you have to hold in the same place as really the tragedy that it's like, it's all ephemeral. It's not gonna be here forever. Um, so here I wrote, um, 
this idea that we now especially have so overemphasized our mind and separate it from our body. And then in our body, we get into this like, you know, wild way that as if we can control it. And it's interesting that we're in this time where we literally, the city of Denver just uh, announced they have a, a state of emergency of mental health for kids from middle school to high school. We are so medicated against emotions. So here's this huge separation that we're actually living out that yeah. you see beyond. And I'll say two things before we jump over and let you have a moment. Um, I found this in your biography, yeah, yeah, yeah. bibliography, fabulous. I'm, I'm really happy to see this. Um, it's The Body, um, the photography book by Natalie Hirschdorfer, and it's also um, published by Thames and Hudson. Um, but it was a really great look at some of what we're talking about. And ironically, I went and got this in my, in my little residency. I'm in a little town on the North shore and I walked to their library and luckily got it. And I open it up. You are the first image in the book. The first, I'm like, okay, synchronicity or what? And you're not, ironically, it doesn't, your title isn't here until the very end. It wasn't wasn't credited right. to you, but then she does do more. Your work is in here and she credits all of it ultimately. But I just thought that was a real funny uh, thing to see. Um, and the last thing I'm gonna say is what Natalie said, which is she talked about your work like this. And this is a quote, her meaning you Mona, her question focused inevitably on the physicality of the body. Can photography really illuminate the mind? I think with you, yes. So let's let's open it up there. I'm gonna share my screen. Welcome, Mona. Thank you for making time in your crazy ass schedule. I'm just I, I'm so happy to be here, Sibyl. I and, and, and like the moment that we met each other, I really wanted to go to your class because even listening to you, of course you're talking about me, I'm gonna enjoy it, but mm -hmm. listening to you, you just put new words into things and and I think that all photographers work alone mostly. I mean, you can have you can have uh, assistance here and there whenever needed, or you can, you know, <clears throat> figure something out or, or reach out to your group of, of of colleagues. But mostly, I think we are alone, mm -hmm. and it's so nice to be part of your community and listen and see that you how you respond to the work. For me, that those are the little moments where I see that maybe it is working all those seeds that we plant out there. Yeah. Yeah. It was interesting that we, you, you and I were talking and we talked about um, planting an apple tree and how to like get through what we have all been through over the last year and a half. And interestingly, one of the things that I think comes out is you are part of that generation of seeding ideas, like almost, <laughs> For us, thank goodness, you're reseeding the idea that this interconnectivity is actually the real deal, right? Yeah. That's actually what we need to lean into. Um, let me share my screen and find my, um, oh, I love this. I always have it at the very last and I have to go to full screen. Um, so what I did just here in terms of what we're looking at is pull from the book here and there and throw in some quotes. And, and this does go back to the beginning for you. Um, and I had a question for you because 
in the book I learned, I think um, Elizabeth Avedon is on our call and I think it was in the interview where I learned that you were studying with um, Mario Cravo Neto and that he uh, brought you into the dark room and somehow you have to tell us like this dark room was in a tree? Yes. Okay, wait, what? <laughs> well, in Brazil, <clears throat> I grew up in Brazil in Sao Paulo and I really uh, want, uh, you, I came to the US, I went to Ohio State and it was actually at Ohio State that I saw the library where the arts library where they have photography and where they had all these photography art books. In the past, photography was like National Geographic or Vogue magazine. And I was not really exposed to the fact that photography is art. And in the US, looking at the books, looking at Edward Weston book, or actually even the librarian even took me uh, behind the, the library in this area where everything was uh, temperature controlled and where you had the real uh, amazing portfolios and amazing books and the first first sewn together book by Ruth Bernhard or, or something like that. And <clears throat> I really, I, I just couldn't contain myself. I had to jump into it. I had to, I realized I wasted too much time. I always had this wish to be in the arts. I knew I didn't want to be a painter. I'm not, I, I'm too restless to be a painter. Mm -hmm. um, or or but but I always enjoyed history, art history, and I was like, there must be a way that I can bring art history to this fast medium of photography, because I felt that I uh, was coming late into this, hmm. and and so when I went back to Brazil, I was actually was already I didn't really study with Cravaneta, like I met him and I was influenced by him, but when I came back to Brazil already after my first year in the U.S., mm -hmm. um, I came back and I and I reached out to him. And, and I said, I, I really would like, because he's a very important uh, fine art photographer in Brazil, mm -hmm. working in the northeast of Brazil um, with the body figurative, at times nudes, at times not nudes, but he is working in an area of Brazil that was the beginning of the colonization in Brazil. So you have a lot of African influence, you have Portuguese influence, and you have Brazilian Indian influence, you have Dutch influence. It's like a very... Uh, there's a cultural synchronicity in that area. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to see what he's doing uh, and went there, went to see him. And he said, come on over, we can talk and spend some time with him. So during the time that I spent with him, I will never forget the first day when I entered his place is a little bit outside of Salvador. So you fly into the city called Salvador. <clears throat> and then he said, oh, this is the place that you can stay. I stayed at a bed and breakfast with, with a friend of a friend of his. That, that owned it, uh, they had a mango tree outside. I mean, it's, it's incredible. Those stories are just, it's a different world. It was pre-emailing, pre right? So this is like a phone call or a, or, a, or a telegram. And then I, and then he gave me his address, which was outside of Sao Paulo. I took a taxi and went there. There was a big gate and it was kind of far away. It was this area where the roads are a little bit like just dirt roads. And, um, and I rang the doorbell the gate opened and behind the gate ah. because it was a bit of a larger property it had a lot of foliage and there was this boy i would say maybe 17 18 picking up all the leaves and making a big mountain of leaves and then what they do there they kind of put that on fire that's how they disperse it mm -hmm. so it was kind of just starting the fire and it had this gray cloud all over you had this person that was putting the leaves together which I recognize as being in his work mm -hmm. and and I just kind of went through it and then he said hello and he said come let, let's have a coffee at my 
at the terrace outside of my dark room. And I said, okay, let's do that. And we went, and then suddenly he's guiding me into the street because <laughs> he had studied in the US, but when he came back, when he came back to Brazil, he decided to do his dark room in this huge tree. Like now you need to imagine it's like a rubber tree. Wow. So it's a really, really big tree inside that dark room suspended on the street. Of course, he had Epson printers, he had scanners, he had computer, he had everything was there for him. He had the means to make it work, but it was just like a transportation in, in time, but also honestly, almost physicality. Like I was entering a different time and space and it was amazing. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's wild. I wonder, is it still there? I don't know. But I, I, well, he passed away. Yeah. Uh, his, his son, Christian Caravonetto, is still around. I think it is around. He has representation in New York. I think he travels between Paris, New York and Brazil. Mm -hmm. uh, we yeah. keep in touch here and there. He's very, he did a beautiful series of images also in India. His son, Christian. Wow. Uh -huh. I saw that he had a son. Um, what's interesting, I think, is it, it is like you went in another world. I mean, my American uh, association is like, um, uh, okay, now I just went blank. Um, Dorothy in, in Kansas. What am I talking yeah. about? Yeah. Like, it's like you went to another world. And what I was going to ask you about him was, did he introduce like a mysticism? Yeah. So... So he in, so his body of work was about understanding the human. He was very much into the humanities. And I think it was very important for me early on to, um, <clears throat> to be attracted to his works because he's a photographer. But once I met him, I realized he's a humanist. Mm. And to have the differentiation right at the very beginning was really, really important for me. I think that was, and it's funny that we're talking about him because on most conversations, people ask, where do you go to school? Did you graduate from Yale? And those kind of things, which is the way things happen to me is a bit irrelevant. Like meeting him was a lot more important. Yeah. Yeah. And my feeling is like, I don't do long bios because anyone who wants to know that can find it. You know, yeah. I'm much more interested in like, and it's the Wizard of Oz that I was trying to think of. And there's a scene in the Wizard of Oz where they pull back the curtain to see what's going on. And I feel like that's what I do in this photo book book group. It's like, and you know, yeah. we just do it by asking. I, I was and I think, and I think maybe that's what's happening uh, at times here and there mm -hmm. after the pandemic. I think we're having those moments. Like, what is this really about? Mm -hmm. Like, what, why are we doing what we do? Mm -hmm. I, I can talk about what I do. Mm -hmm. I can I, I can give you, you know, I, I can describe a ton of things of what I do and how I do. But why am I doing it is really what the conversation is. Yeah. Yes. And actually, it's it's an irony that um, the way it shook out for my photo book book group is that June is all women photographers all using the nude as a subject. So fascinating. Yeah. So I'm really diving into that. And one of the things that I learned in, in uh, somewhere in what I've been looking at and thinking about is that he, um, did he, I think it's you said that he did in part a psychology of photographing the nude. So is that- the Oh, that's true, yeah. Is, well, is that's true. Yeah, but the psychology of photographing the nudes I probably uh, learned with, 
um, multiple uh, uh, from more from observing a lot like for example Lucian Freud mm -hmm. um, I think I draw a lot of inspiration that he paints the nude but the nude is sleeping uh, he paints them overnight or, or over a long period of time mm -hmm. um, the idea the idea of of working with some working with someone in the nude to me is a gift mm -hmm. um, if you can if you put yourself in the shoes of someone who agrees to collaborate in 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 creating works related to the nude you need to understand how nervous that person can be even if even if i i have seen the situation where someone said oh yeah we'd love to be in your work let's do something together and then we start doing something together and that person especially early on when i was in college still the person mentally decided that they want to do this but once they disrobe there's a nervousness of the skin there's a nervousness because you're feeling uh you're feeling a little breeze going through your body that you haven't felt before like you feel completely exposed and you need to understand the the, the sensitive nature of something like that mm -hmm. um and also in a way uh, create a situation where they feel comfortable and I really early on realized I don't want to be doing this in a studio it's really weird like why would someone be naked in a studio <laughs> like the studio is a cement floor and cold walls and maybe it's like you know cement brick walls painted white whatever that is like I wouldn't be naked in a studio so I, why why would I ask someone else to do that mm -hmm. so I realized that it would be really important for me to uh you know maybe looking at Lucian Freud that he decided to have them sleeping like he came up with an with a thought where people would be nude I would I could imagine myself going to bed and, and decided not to wear anything and go to sleep and also to reach your unconsciousness right mm -hmm. so he really transported away from the body and really into a more um a, a, other layers of things attached to it the, the body is resting there but there are things happening Mm -hmm. uh, so so I think that for me it was important to find a place where I might not even have to ask someone to be in the nude mm -hmm. because that's nervous that's weird um, so I was then introduced uh, to a place in France that it was a nature that is a naturist community and when we talk about a naturist community it, it people already get nervous and I like to demystify a little bit so it's an area that is in a very remote region is a very uh is the west coast of france so so france has east the the the, the east coast is where you have the fancy homes and 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 Cote Azur and all of that the french riviera and mm -hmm. on the west coast they kind of forgot that they have land there uh it was uh, a lot of swamp area uh, there was a lot of sickness during Louis XIV. It was an area that uh, it was a disgrace in France. Mm -hmm. um, and then slowly they started doing those aqueducts and getting the water thing under control. Nowadays, fast forward, nowadays is an area where they do uh, eucalypt, uh, where they have a pine, pine mm -hmm. forest and plantation. And it's mostly a, a, a lumber, I don't know how you call it, like a lumber area where mm -hmm. um, they have planted and that's what sucks all of the water. And after the war, after um, uh, the 40s, so around in the mid 50s, there were three families, three philosophers, philosophical minded uh, uh, families in Europe that saw the horrors of the war and saw what people did to each other and said, you know, we need to find each other. 
the French and the Germans need to find each other as humans. The Dutch need to find each other as humans. Like all of this that, that has happened, we need to find a way to connect again. And their way was to um, disarm completely mentally and physically mm-hmm. and come together in nature, in the nude. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. It, it happened a little bit in the U.S. when the people, the, the after the Vietnam War, mm-hmm. a lot, a lot of soldiers became park rangers. They went back to nature to to recover mentally and physically. Mm-hmm. So that connection with nature, the, uh, which allows us to give a lot, gives us a lot of answers that are maybe not answers of the mind, but the answers of the soul, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. and those three families had this vision and they wanted a place where people will not be bothered. Being nude is not a must. It's just that if you feel that you want to, you can, and no one will bother you. Mm-hmm. This, this ties in maybe to like a, 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 a higher, a, a civilization minded, right? Like in the U S I have never found a place like this. If I go, I live in California. If I go to, uh, a hot springs area over here uh, the moment i'm naked inside the hot spring someone is going to show up out of the bushes is going to show up and say hi my name is so and so can i give you a massage i'm like no that's not why that no that's not that's not why i am here i am here because i want to be alone and i want to be in nature and i want to balance myself mm-hmm. so that so this so going back circling back to that idea i found this place i, I was able to get i was introduced to a place where i found this balance between mind and body, between presence, between nature. And I felt in love immediately because it felt normal to me mm-hmm. and it felt safe to me, like no one was bothering me. And, and it was interesting too to see that someone that is in the nude, how they look at each other, we would keep the eyes toward each other. Like I learned a lot about that and I brought that into my photography. Like I don't bring my, I, I don't scan the person in the nude. Mm-hmm. I have a respect for the person. I'm looking them in their eyes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. My, my, my soul is exposed to theirs and we are communicating and we're respecting each other on the eye level. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was such a, was it your friend that introduced you to it, Philip, or did you find it? No, there was, I, I had, I had some family. Uh, I have a little bit of my, my, my aunt, the sister of my mom had spent time in this place. It's the oldest nature's place in, in Europe. Wow. You so know, what there's, like, yeah, there's a couple of them. Then I went with, I went there uh, with uh, 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 an American friend. And then while I was there, my first friend inside the, the camp was, is, was Philip. And that's the person I started photographing. Okay. Okay. I got it. And I'm just going to refer because I, I, it was so challenging to just select a few images, um, yeah. but I have always loved this one. And I just want to circle back to it to say how much there is in this when there's not a lot of information, but there's certainly a lot of, um, I should say there's not a lot of distracting information, but there's so much energy and, um, I just, I just think it's such a beautiful, uh, it, it yeah. is, if I had to define how you see, that's how I think you see. Yeah. And the, the, the one thing, uh, <clears throat> the one thing to understand too, like Philip, for example, 
he would go to that place. For me, it was the first time that I went there. So everything was new. I was getting used to it. I, it took me time to fully undress because I I'm part of the community now, right? So uh, if that's something that I admire and I feel very comfortable, and also I believe that if you're going to photograph something, someone, you need to understand, you need to be part of it. Mm -hmm. um, so <clears throat> at the beginning, it also took some adjustment for me. Mm -hmm. And Philip was a super important person to me because he grew up going every year to the community. The community exists only in the summertime. Mm -hmm. um, after the summer, people go back to their jobs. Uh, they have a total normal lifestyle. It, it, the interesting thing there is that, for example, you have the, the wife of the minister of France is also in this community mm -hmm. and a car mechanic and his family are in this community is very French in the sense that it's very egalitarian. And it's egalitarian because there is no... Uh, yeah. There's no status symbol other than you get along or you don't get along because of your conversation. Um, so, so, so the thing, the, the interesting thing about Philip, and, and I think that that's why he was such an important person for me, is that he his birthday is during the summer months is in July, and he would always spend the summer months with his grandmother, and it was his grandmother who had a place. She was part of this early community that 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 built this 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 concept this this I, I you know this philosophy so he i saw philip i met philip in the nude hanging out with his grandmother in the nude like there was no difference though it's not when we think in the us people say oh it's hard to describe because in the U.S. maybe the nude is more of a show and tell. I got to I got to photograph somebody in the nude, and now here it is exposing it out there. While for me, the nude was more about intimacy and family. Mm -hmm. Yes, yes. Actually, I love this image, and I'll just impart to you that I had the opportunity. I was eleven. I turned twelve. It was my birthday in Iceland. And I am not Icelandic, but I grew up next door to an Icelandic family. And I always say I have family there because that's how closely we grew up. But we were there in August. And for them, that was high summer. And we went out to visit other friends and relatives of the people I was with. And when we got there, everyone was in their underwear. And I was shocked. Like I literally didn't know what to do, you know, because I'm being introduced to people in their underwear. They're every age group you can imagine. And so, yes, we have such a different sensibility of our own bodies, of our bodies next to each other. Every one of my European friends gets into their bathing suit on and off the beach. And every American is like doing a ridiculous, like, you know, towel thing, trying to, to wiggle out. And it's just such a, it's so refreshing to, uh, I think, be with people who are comfortable in their skin. Yes, there's a transition that happens there uh, once you're able to cross that and once you feel safe. I mean, the first thing is you feel safe to be in an environment where you're respected and you feel safe and you feel trusted. Mm -hmm. Once that is established and once you yourself decide, ah, oh, it's so hot and who cares and let's just, you know, who cares, basically. So once you mentally reach that point, then then you realize you realize that uh, you are wearing your own skin and your skin is strong enough. Oh, yes. Oh my God. That's a quote. <laughs> you know? And that, and that you're, you're, you're wearing yourself. And I think the reason I, I started doing uh, nudes too, like when I was studying photography, I had the choice. Uh, do I do 
who knows, right? Abstraction or, or architecture or, or uh, uh, straight portraiture or fashion or whatever it is. And I realize, I realize at some point that I am in this body and I cannot get out of this body. Mm-hmm. And then my body, I, I, I learned that uh, it was one of the first, it's so, it's so interesting doing this retrospective book, you have to think about life again. Mm-hmm. And there were some moments that were really key moments. I, I still remember the day that I took my first uh, darkroom printing class and uh, the teacher came to me and, and said, well, the black and white photography is all about shadows. And I realized that I lived a whole life, not necessarily understand, not necessarily paying attention to shadows. So the shadows were always there, but I just didn't really pay attention as I started after the class where everything I was paying attention, it was the shape of shadows, the, 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 the curvature, the chiaroscuro, like the whole thing about the shadows. I also realized that I always have a shadow too, because I have a body. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that is what made me want to focus in figurative. Wow. That's because, because that's, I mean, that is it. Like we, it was, it's hard even to verbalize. It was just a connection that I had to the fact that I have a body and I have a shadow and that, and, 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 and so I want to, I want to, 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 uh, photograph things really th- th- that are like that i want to photograph the humanness now photography also has a very superficial side right is a is a sliver is a piece of paper um it is what you see w- once it's frozen in one second it is a millisecond expression of someone's body um so that is this dichotomy that I also find very dynamic in photography where I try to bring all this depth and all this humanness and all this art, art historical references that I enjoy throughout the time because I, I learn what humanity has done throughout the time. So I like to look at art history, not so much about the art part, not so much about the relics that are left behind, but I like to learn about art history. It's like, what were we doing what was the human doing on the different moments in time? And how were they dealing with their adversities? How were they dealing with their difficulties of their time? And how were they inspired themselves? How were they continuing to deal with their own life or the different stages of their life? And that is all reflected on art history. Yeah. So that's all we have to, or, or, or maybe some writings and literature, but that's the remaining that we have to just pick up the ball and learn a little bit about it. And, and what I want to do with my work is continue maybe a little bit the dialogue. You know, like if it's a long sentence, I just want to put a, a mini word. If I have that, I'm already very happy. Mm-hmm. And if and and I think for me, it has it, I like the simplicity of the nude. Mm-hmm. I like I like the elemental sense of it. It is what it is, is is us here. Uh, and, and how do we talk about it and how do we uh, present ourselves? Mm-hmm. And uh, it's interesting. Um, two things um, is the um, last point that you made being that you look at art history to find out how we as a human race dealt with the other things that are going on. And then you give us the example of the naturalism community trying to heal after a world war that othered everybody. And aren't we now at a p- same place like that? So it's yeah, now very, we are. very uh, yeah. prescient in the sense that it's like, 
what are we going to do with, with this information? And I wondered, did any, like, is there a part in your process or maybe it's moved, but that scares you? Is there anything that frightens you in your process or that you um, have to work through a fear? Yeah, I think I have, well, I have, well, I think, I think artists have vulnerabilities, right? Mm -hmm. I think, I think we have vulnerabilities. We learn to deal with them. Um, I think that we also have insecurities is normal. I actually like insecurities because my own insecurities, because I think that that keeps me on my toes. And that also in a way is the adrenaline that I need mm -hmm. to push myself forward. Right. Mm -hmm. um, I think that I think um, I don't necessarily have fear itself. Like when you think about the word fear, to me, that's, that sounds really uh, big. Mm -hmm. um, I think I have insecurities and I feel vulnerable at times, mm -hmm. uh, but I do keep fear at bay. I think that fear is part of life, but I really keep it away as if it was, as if it was a monster that doesn't exist, but shows up. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, know, so no. I kind of, it's really interesting. I don't know why I asked that question, but it came to me as I was going through uh, thinking about your work and also just how, I mean, you talk about vulnerability, you really face vulnerability and you do it with other people and that's what ends up coming through in the work. So I wondered in that process, uh, was there hesitancy along the way? But honestly, what I hear is you being enthused and curious and also um, almost buoyed by the realities that you find. Like, you're like, no, like, we're good here. Like, this is, this is yeah. the way it is. Yeah. yeah. Well, but the thing is, <clears throat> the buoy, I like the buoy analogy. Uh, the, I don't always think we're okay here. I think um, I, I, I do see reality and I, and I do, you know, uh, I think that humanity has a long, long history of pain mm -hmm. uh, and, that, and, and that long history in the past and in the future will always be there. And I, but, but I did make a choice where I don't want to propagate pain. Yes, yes. And I made a choice because I know how, I know because I, you know, I grew up in a, in a, people like to say it's a second world country or whatever developing country. Hmm. So it, I, I, have, I have seen a lot of things. I have traveled quite a lot. Uh, that pain is a human pain hmm. that manifests itself in, in different ways. Uh, but you, you could label, you could put names to certain moments in time, but that pain is, uh, is, is a universal pain. And the, I have wonderful uh friends and 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 our co colleagues that that is their moment they want to photograph uh, photojournalism they want they want um or, or like that that conversation between picasso and matisse where picasso did the guernica because he wanted to address the moment mm -hmm. uh the, the the horrors of the franco dictatorship mm -hmm. uh and 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 matisse to me to my understanding of matisse matisse was very much aware of the time and of what was happening. But I, I always think when I when I see the it's escaping now, uh, the beautiful uh, the, the water lilies, you know, that he painted mm -hmm. the like when I see when you are in front of one of those, there's no way 
I am firm of it. The same way that you're in front of Guernica and you feel the impact of that, mm-hmm. uh, as much as you have seen Guernica in school books and in slides and whatever it is, when you're in front of it, you get the impact of it. Mm-hmm. And when you're in front of the of Monet's paintings, I had this moment where I think he was praying because those kala lilies around and round and over and over, like mantras over and over. And that was his way of dealing with pain. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's yeah. that's my interpretation. But when you're in front of it, I uh, uh, th- that that's what was resonating from it. So different people deal with, with that in different ways. And I think that my way of dealing with it is uh, to, to highlight that uh, to, to bring up who the good side or who we can be to, to bring hope uh, into my visual language and to bring the fact that, you know, the, the, the word evidence in my first book, maybe the evidence that we can be, that, that things can be good, that, that we have the power in us to make it better. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well- and- What I love, it's so interesting when I, I love how you interpreted when I said we're good here, which all I meant was literally in a, in a photo session and, and love, no, 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 that's perfect. Because actually what you did was you took it universal and, and it, it underscores what I said at the beginning, which is that I don't think you could bring your sensibility as clearly as you do if you were not holding that balance of destruction and beauty and you hold it in the same place and your ability to do that and to choose to look towards the evidence, the evidence I see you reflecting is the generative generative nature of things that, you know, if you wanted to, to think about it, it's like you could give it another name, you could give it love, you could give it hope, you could give it humanity, but it's leaning right. into that, that idea right. that, you know, it's, it's, it's going forward in the midst, uh, despite and, and moving. So that's where I, I was, I, I think it's really funny. I, I, I don't know why that question came to me, but in asking it, you are clarifying that your position is one of real 360 vision, both you see yourself historically, you see yourself as being able to impact the future, you are very aware of your corporal engagement, but you're focusing on the interconnectivity that goes beyond all of what we can see. Yeah, and also in that idea, that the word that you bring up, regenerative, right? I don't know if I, I don't know if we're saying the word correctly. That's all right. I can't say it myself. Regenerative. But, yeah, but in, in that, like, it needs it needs energy, right? Yeah. To, to to circle, and, and and so what I want, I want my influence to be a positive influence. Yes. Uh, and to be a positive force forward. Yeah. Um, and to highlight uh, maybe something that um, that you know to lift up a bit. Yes, yes. Well, and it's interesting because that's what I'm saying that I had this big aha as all the pieces came together and work really allowed that, right? Like if we were in my studio, I have um, bushes and succulents, like I could pull other books, but this idea that you bring it together here um, 
is where I feel the beauty is it, it, it magnifies the strength of the thread that you're describing now, which is your particular vision, your experience and your choice. Um, and that that interconnectivity, that biodiversity, that regenerativity and the connection. I mean, I think, I think we all get how much you make us think of interconnectivity, but you do it between us and ourselves then you do it between us and our environment, like man-made or uh, uh, meaning that it's made of substances like mirrors or concrete or whatever. Right, and right, then, right. And then you bring it into nature and you make that cycle and our cycle one. And so that's what I think is just so profound. It, it, it is the subject is your exploration and your question. It's not what's in front of the camera. Yeah, so, that, so that's the conflict of photography, right? Mm -hmm. uh, be, because of the medium being that way. And I think it's so interesting. It's so interesting to, um, like people say, oh, you're a scholar at the Getty. Uh, the, there, there's the Getty Research Institute here in Los Angeles, which is a, a, bit, a huge, um, source of, of arts and humanities uh, library. Mm -hmm. uh, there's two in the US. There's the National Gallery in Washington, DC, and then, and, then, um, and then the Getty Research Institute here. And people say, so what are you doing there? And I said, well, I'm learning about life. You know, when you are, you know, when you're a teenager and you don't know how you feel and you have all this, your hormones are kicking in and you're, and, and you're about to kiss for the first time or whatever it is like you, you you're growing and you're a teenager and you find solace in music uh those songs that they explain about love in the songs or they say oh it's been it's been nine hours or ten days or whatever you you listen to Sinead O'Connor or you listen to or you listen to the Beatles and and they Yes, you also listen to your parents and your family, but it is in the songs as a teenager that you get the clues of how you yourself feel and how you put words into those feelings. I remember, uh, I remember, I remember writing down right the lyrics of certain songs, um, and I remember learning how to express myself with how they were expressing themselves. And I think that that is. Uh, a little bit what happens with me in photography where my life is really really kind of big and i have a, a million questions and i bring some of it in the photography mm -hmm. but there are you know like when i go to the research institute I, I'm, I'm as if i was going to like you know a record playing place or so like here i'm just looking at things and i'm learning about it some of it uh is inspiration that transfers to my photography but all of it transfers to me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that you mentioned that too, that you really intermingle your life and your art. And, yeah, I think, and, yeah. Yeah, and you couldn't, yeah, I mean, I, it, I, it, I, I, yeah, I cannot even, I cannot even think it's so, I cannot even think 
you know what i would be doing people ask what would you if you weren't doing this what would you be doing it and for the longest time i never had an answer and of course in your 20s and 30s you don't even know if it's going to work out and every year i think is my last year and uh, you know, it was so great. Everyone supported me, the galleries, the publishers, the collectors. I'm so thankful. And now it's going to be over. <laughs> like every year, I get, I guess, circling back, Sibylla, to that idea of fear. Maybe yeah. that, that is a fear uh, yeah. that that all of this at, at some point, uh, uh, it, it's gone. Mm -hmm. But that's also maybe a fear that you need to, to work with, right? Mm -hmm. And to push yourself and try different things and not to do the same and explore and engage. Uh, further in your own discourse, um, yeah. yeah. But I think that. But I think that the 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 now in my life, or I would say maybe from mid thirties on, mm -hmm. I did. I I I realized that photography is part of my life. Now, if for some moment I lose my arms and I can no longer do photography or whatever it is, I would still find something related to 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 humanities to do mm -hmm. yeah i mean it was interesting because i when when you were describing that it's like i don't feel it's as if the um the fluidity which which with which you allow ideas and experiences to move through you um are what you bring to the making, creating of an image and that, that you can't separate it and you haven't separated it, which I think is what's so, I think you imbue it. it it's funny, it brings me to when um, I've listened to you as, as the book came out and you did other interviews. Um, I forget which one it was, but when you said that when you, when you have the experience, when you know you've gotten what you're looking for or whatever, is you levitate. Um, and you talked uh, about yes. dating in front of other art, which you are inspired by other art. And I always talk about punctum. Um, and that would be like your description in your words, punctum would be when you have that experience of levitating, it like literally right. lifts you off your feet. And um, so I think what's so unique and what you have imbued in your imagery is that integration of yourself. You know, just like you're saying, if I don't want to get nude. I don't want to take my clothes off in a cold studio. And if I'm going to ask someone else to get nude, I, I want to as well, you know, or that I will. Um, I'm trying to see if I put it down. Um, uh, Natalie wrote about this um, uh, in the book. She, she referred to um, uh, John Berger in The Way of Seeing because it looks at the history yeah. of art and so much of the history of art is us looking at women's bodies that were rendered by men. And the idea that the difference between being nude and being naked. And right. uh, I'll, I'll have to get that. I'll put it in my summary. But that quote and like where there's like uh, uh, the vulnerability of being naked. Yeah. Well, I think that idea was that um, but and this has been revised uh, over over time. It's like something that people constantly have that conversation, and has been any any has changed recently yet again. Mm -hmm. But the way when I was going to school and when I was reading uh, Burger and when I was going through 
those notions mm -hmm. that idea that naked is like overly exposed or that you, do, you don't have control of the situation or or that you feel naked mm -hmm. and to be in the nude you are dressed in your own skin that you feel that you are in the nude you you might be more playing a more art historical role with your your body or so now it's interesting that you mentioned the uh specifically to photography the the history of um uh, uh most of the female nudes for sure are photographed by male photographers men photographers so when i was doing the book it was i, I have to bring this up yeah yeah when i was um, when I was putting the book together, I did the beginning with it. I did the introduction with uh, Rebecca Morse. She's the curator here at Photographs at LACMA. And we wanted to bring an image because it's a retrospective book. We thought it would be so nice to have um, a historical image to reference. Mm -hmm. And Simon Baker also wrote in the book and he uh, was a little faster and he picked up a, a painting to be like we were allowed by the by the um by the publisher to bring in two art historical references if we wanted to because it's a it's a question of licensing yeah. and it's a question of of, of budget yeah. so the 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 publisher said we can have two that's it which was perfect we don't want, we don't even want too much more so simon was quick and in, in putting someone that he is a scholar and he has researched and and it's it's someone he's very uh, uh, aware and, and knowledgeable about and he was a, a painter yeah. but i want to bring the focus to rebecca and i so we were looking at what to bring and i said i would like to bring a photography because that's who i am and it would be great to be nude and we really looked at a lot of it and it's really a difficult position. Like, how do you bring someone in that you that you admire, but you don't want to be leaning too much on them and you don't want to justify your work because of them? It has to be like the very first image that you had there, like a, somewhat of a perfect balance between the past and the present and, and the personalities and the egos involved. In any case, for the first time I realized, because I looked at so many people that I studied along the way, that even their other photography that for some reason, or another, I wasn't necessarily comfortable uh, with the work. Mm -hmm. It was, it was a, a um, it was a real, it was a bizarre realization. And we looked at a lot of it. We looked at female, how women photograph the nude, how men photograph the nude, in specifically in photography. Mm -hmm. um, and then we found, I'm going to show you because I'm so proud yeah, I, of it. I, I, so I we found this amazing image of Imogen Cunningham. So wet, 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 woman, West Coast yeah. photographer with a German background. Yeah. Okay. And, and this image, yeah, which I think is so amazing because you have here, mm -hmm. one, two, three, you have here two, three, or possibly four people. Mm -hmm. You have four people there. The, this person, it's casual. It's so contemporary. If you think about very, it, very. it's so casual. It's so contemporary. It's so at easy. This person here, possibly a woman, is looking to the camera. She's in the nude. They're all in the nude, but you don't see nudity. Mm -hmm. she, she's looking at the camera. This person here is also looking at the camera, almost inviting the viewer in. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. She maybe was the subject of the posing, but he invited us in. We it, it's such a it's it's such a fantastic image that the image itself suddenly had so much to maybe some of my thinking or my emotions that were in my own work. Maybe not the image itself or the representation itself, yeah. but the understanding. Uh, the moment of photographing the, the 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 group involved how to put four four bodies without overly sexualizing it mm-hmm. uh yes we are sexual human beings we're not going to deny that i'm i'm or, or okay with this but I'm, uh, that's one dimension we have many other dimensions that are to me more interesting mm-hmm. um so that's who we found and i you know i then um reached out to to her estate and we got permission to publish and it was fantastic but the realization was that i wasn't really necessarily comfortable with too many nudes in photography in the past it was kind of really bizarre no i understand i actually had never seen that image and honestly it took me it took me through sally mann it took me through you um and what i think is so incredible is how um how contemporary it is but you very the look in the eye of the woman in the photograph is just magnificent and it's just this moment and it's just so knowing and it's so uh it's just a very very beautiful image and i'm so glad like all the movement around them too which are really bodies but actually start to look like seaweed right their hair yeah like it's yeah. like there's movement there's the dappled light there's the movement there's the there's this organic nature of life i mean yeah. you have here four people um it, the balancing emotions between them is not just you don't just show up to a yeah. photo shoot and say i want you here here that and 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 stand this way and look that way and now i'm going to do a click i mean it's not like that show me your best side or something like that yeah yeah it's not it's not like that right yes no you, i mean you could do that of course you could do that in a commercial shoot you could do that uh you know in in different ways but that's not how that's that is not allowing life to enter the work and i think when you allow life to enter the work uh, you have a much richer result there. And by richer, I mean something that will last longer because the curiosity, like this image of Imogen, I look at it over and over again and I keep thinking there are clues here that I have not yet solved. Mm-hmm. And I want to know who these people are. It's not just a woman posing for a photographer. Mm-hmm. I I actually who who are these people? What is this community? What were they talking about? Why are they so casually there together? Um, how they relate? How do they relate to each other? Like there are a thousand questions, and that to me is rich. Yes, yes, yes. Well, I think that you are instilling some of that in other people. I think. Yeah. That, so yeah. the image that you have up right now, right. Uh, the yeah. one before, is like a uh, is this this person in in where where I. Uh, this one do a lot of my work in the summer uh-huh. there is i have a neighbor so this girl in this image because when i photographed her there she was uh still very young so she would see me doing photography she was is the neighbor she stays she's there during the summer with her grandmother her grandmother is a very uh important person for me because she is someone that helps me out a lot um 
with with multiple things in France. In any case, um, Diane is her name. Diane mm. would always come and look and look and look and look. And her grandma came to me and said, Mona, Diane is very young and she's looking at you doing all of your work because I look, I I work very openly. People come and go. Um, I don't like to work behind doors. Mm. Like I don't want to be in a studio. I want to be out and open and uh, people that collaborate, if they want to bring their cousin, their parents, if they want to bring the boyfriend or girlfriend or whatever it is to hang out or the sister to see what's going on. I want that to be very open and transparent. Mm-hmm. So so uh, that's what it is. So Diane would come and go and, and, and Colette said, and the grandmother would come and say, you know, I see her uh, wanting to, to be part of it. And I said, well, she's too young she's we can't do that and then she said yeah but she wants it and we don't have anything against it and i said yeah but still like it's too young and then at the end of that uh time her mother came to pick her up and i got introduced to the mother the mother's name is old and when i saw old i I realized that dian and old have exactly the same really bright eyes now that's when they came to me and they said they would like to do a portrait together. And I said, well, what if we do it? Like, we need to think about this. We can't just have uh, um, gratuitous nudity out there. So we need to understand the age. We need to understand uh, uh, the emotion. And also we need to understand who are you? How do you relate to each other? So in this case, the reason why I actually, for many times I photograph and I give photos to the people I photograph and I might not publish it. Um, and then so the reason why I ended up bringing it into the published book is because I thought that we entered a place of metaphor with this image, because it's almost as if it was the same person in different moments in time. So the mother could have, could, she has the image of her mother in herself as much younger. And this is how Diane will look as she ages. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And to me, it's just fascinating. And the bridge is their eye because they have exactly the same super clear, bright eye. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And of course, I wanted the mother to be guarding the daughter. So that is, you know, so so <clears throat> it's also important to understand some people like some places or, some, you know, some places like France, for example, they're very open to working with the art to be uh, to work with an artist in France's seen at, at, at times, not always, but at times as being um, something really nice, something mm-hmm. that you're engaging with an artist is it's seen as something very interesting. Like now, if I tell you the truth in Brazil, working with an artist is like working with a crazy person. So you have, you have this cultural differences, but the reason why I do go back to friends with my figurative work is because there is a certain acceptance and there's a certain civility and mm-hmm. a certain respect to it that makes my work easier. Mm-hmm. You can see absolutely that freedom. Yes. So the, the, now this image here was photographed here in the Mojave Desert, where mm-hmm. I did, because I was in Los Angeles for quite some time, I also wanted to not just go to France. Uh, I have gone to Brazil to photograph as a mature uh, professional. How do you go back to your roots, how do you go back to the place where you had a 
a wonderful childhood, but that you abandoned mm. or you left it. So how, how do you go back there and how do you reinterpret? So that was the native work, some mm. of the Brazilian work. And then this was a work that I wanted to do <clears throat> here uh, outside of Los Angeles in the Mojave Desert, where mm. you was kind of hard for me to like the desert at first. I come from a place that is like a lot of foliage and, and tropical. Mm. I suddenly going to the desert for me was like, but there's nothing here. <laughs> and, it, and it was a learning experience. And then I realized that there is a lot there. And I realized that being alone in the desert, that, that, that bareness of the desert is something that is part of how I think. Mm. And, 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 and I found myself, I found a part of me in the desert that I, that I just didn't know. And I also think that uh, I like this quote that in the desert, you see the universe above you, but mm -hmm. it's also a place where you learn about the universe within you. Mm -hmm. So uh, that isolation um, is really something interesting. And I did a whole series. I did private and I did She Disappeared in, 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 in that uh, area here in the Mojave Desert. Mm -hmm. uh, two very different series. One, a lot more introspective. Uh, private is a lot more as if it was a whispering and it, it, I, I think private I was addressing more of an abandoning of spirituality that I saw around this area while in in um, at, at, at she disappeared into complete silence that was maybe coming out of private into something more uh, hopeful more um, about uh, light itself mm -hmm. uh, and the refracted figure in that light. Mm -hmm. Is that reflected uh, in your own journey? Is that something you were aware of at the time? Like that private was a little bit more of an introspection for you? Yeah. You were well, yes, yes. I think that uh, it felt like that. Uh, I think what, when you're going through a series, you, you I think the basic idea, right? You are expressing yourself. Mm -hmm. So uh, at that at that moment in time, I think I was still kind of very much trying to understand my own spirituality, where I stand, who I am. Um, am I open to A, B, or C? There are a couple of versions. What do, you know? Yeah. Who, who am I? Who am I in all of this? But but also I am I am. In, in this environment and and what is this environment uh so private was around 2012 and i was already experiencing uh some abandoning here in this in this region right so it's also that the time where you would have remember the the series on tv breaking bad <laughs> breaking bad was happening at the same time and i was still kind of trying to be to to end I'm mentioning Breaking Bad because that's just like the pop culture and the, the moment in time uh, in, in, in America, I guess. But I think it is because then there is an image in this book, too, that has that like a little a little flag and the little flag is on the side. And I felt that people were not taking care of themselves or mm -hmm. their unity mm -hmm. or I felt that people I, I felt that the social fabric was kind of thinning. 
Mm-hmm. And there was not something really binding, bringing people together. I, I started feeling what we're, we're, what's happening, I think, now. I started feeling that in 2012. Yeah. And that's what private was all about. Private was about uh, this uh, falling apart of things. Mm-hmm. Well, the very thread that you have used your work to illuminate was getting obscured and getting getting stretched, not being... I I want to um, give people time to ask questions and I still have so many more, but um, I I have, I I didn't go in, uh, I think, complete order. So we have an image or more from private uh, below this, but I just, these two are from um, bushes and succulents. And I just want to touch on that um, before we open up because I thought it was, I thought it was beautiful and I thought it was bold, this, this choice. Um, and, and I'm also interested in the solarization, like how, yeah. so, what's inspired you? Bushes and succulents happened a little bit around 2018. I think I started, for, well, before the Me Too movement, because mm-hmm. we, we know all about the Me Too, but mm-hmm. before the Me Too movement, there was already uh, turbulences happening, and there was a lot. There was a lot of um, conversations already taking place um, about uh, women's position in 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 our uh, economy, in our world, in 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 museums, and and all of that. And a lot of people were coming to me because I work with nudes. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of people were coming to me asking me to define myself and I never really wanted to define myself like remember the very first images those two hands there's a balance there um, I uh, when it comes to conversations like that I really like the unifying element to put our differences aside and find what brings us together because that's where our strength is at we are all different um, men and women are different. And, and, and I think that if we can find the strength, we, if we can find what brings us together, that's what we should be highlighting. Mm-hmm. In any case, uh, there was also this moment where uh, people were, at, a, a few friends of mine were saying, but you need to, like, you're the one doing nudes, you need to say something about this. And the and I, I thought about it and I said, you know what, it's true. I never really put myself out there too much in defining those things because I actually don't believe in it but maybe i could bring uh something up that it, it's it's a continuing of a of a of a more feminist dialogue mm-hmm. and i started thinking that i reserved i'm always thinking about what next projects and what to do and i have a few projects that i wanted to do when i'm 80 so i wanted to do when i'm 80 a, a botanical project i was like oh i'm gonna photograph flowers when i'm really old and i cannot move anymore and and then suddenly around 2017, I realized, wait a second, maybe I can bring this project to now. Maybe I can do it now. And maybe I can bring my own twist to it. And it would be my first botanical and it would be bushes and succulents. And so, because, because it's that comment um, and, and because it brings up that dialogue and the, and the, I wanted the bush and also in our culture uh, because of too much nudity online because of overexposure is a moment where um, 
where there's a tendency for people no longer to have bushes. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, so I wanted to bring that idea that it's, I wanted to push it forward, those thoughts. So it's not just about photographing bushes and succulents. It's about the confusion that you create with it. First of all, it's about the, uh, it's about that idea of botanicals being reserved for women doing illustrations on, on some artwork that will be in the kitchen. Um, so first of all, it's about bringing that out of that element. Second mm -hmm. is to address women that pave the way so that I can be who I am today. And hopefully I will inspire others uh, along the way. Um, so I wanted to address people like Lee Miller or George O'Keefe. For, for example, George O'Keefe, when she painted the flowers in New Mexico, she made those huge paintings. We all know that flowers are the sexual parts mm -hmm. of the plant. But mm -hmm. at that time, she never, ever voiced that. She thought mm -hmm. that she would be censored and reprimanded. And when Stiglitz and, and, and when um, people would come to her studio and they saw the flowers for the first time, the, the, the gallery and, and, and people that supported her work, they said, wow, these are amazing, but you're not going to you're not going to exhibit them, are you? Mm -hmm. Because it was maybe too edgy, maybe too referential, maybe too had to had all those innuendos that would put, put that made people uncomfortable mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. and she went ahead with it but she went ahead with it in silence mm -hmm. and and i don't have to i can say this is an innuendo this i am i am i'm sure the the the, the plants are the ones where you, that, that that offer a lot more innuendos about women and then the mm -hmm. bushes is more of a uh, reference to uh, August Cobert, you know, he had the painting, The Origin of the World. Uh, mm -hmm. And it's, it's, uh, it's in the Musée d'Orsay in, in Paris. And he painted a woman just, just, just this segment, the segment of the origin. So I mm -hmm. wanted to highlight that as well. Sorry. Mm -hmm. um, and he, but he painted a little bit more exposed, partially open and I am not okay with the way he did it. I myself feel it's too much. So all of the images of the women that I did, it, it's highlighting the origin, it's highlighting, I didn't want it to be a full nude. I didn't want it to be about necessarily the identity. I wanted it to be about the origin. Yeah. And I wanted to reference maybe Lee Miller um, because Man Ray is very much known for solarization. But now the scholars know that it was an accident. Lee Miller was the muse. She would also work with him. Um, she was a photographer or, uh, on her own. Mm -hmm. And she uh, was working on the darkroom. She had a little accident with the light and yeah. solarization happened. So it's really, she, then of course, Man Ray took over because he had a very commercial, very successful studio in Paris and in New York. He had enough resources to do as much as he wanted. Mm -hmm. um, but the thing is, it was Lee Miller that had that little accident. And, and I wanted to address that. I wanted to look back in history and make sure that we, uh, that, that we credit everyone involved. Good. Um, yeah. So, so I photograph women. I, I, it was this funny enough was done in a studio. It was done here in Los Angeles. Mm -hmm. um, and I reached out to women. I explained to them my concept. I said, I will, it will not be gratuitous. I don't want to overexpose anyone. The idea is to confuse because the nudes 
you don't get to see too much because it's blocked by the bush. Mm -hmm. And it is in the plants that you see a lot more. Mm -hmm. So it was a, also the, an idea of, of Trump Doyle. Mm -hmm. And the book, the way we did the book, we did in a very almost Victorian addressing that almost mm -hmm. Victorian in terms all of my none of my books have nudes in the cover mm -hmm. so it's the plant we chose the the, the the succulent to be on the cover and then the book has this wonderful few that hold on the book has this wonderful few that it is hold on it is always so for example we have it you have the the you know, those decisions are important because yeah. it tells how the artist, what's the, in, the real intention of someone is. Mm -hmm. So the succulents were printed large in the page and, and, and more contemporary looking. And then the bushes were printed smaller, more delicate. Mm -hmm. And on, on a, I don't know if you can see it because of the reflection, but it wasn't printed with, um, you know, with great, it wasn't printed, um, with a uh, four color black and white. Mm -hmm. It was printed uh, duotone black and silver. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So when you look at them, they, there is there's something like there's something like really uh, distinguished and respectful about it. Mm -hmm. And the whole book is like bushes and succulents, bushes and succulents, and they're all on the right side page, nothing on the left side, which is a very conservative book design. Mm -hmm. So we kind of wanted to bring all those elements that's so so wonderful and those elements that's exactly what i'm interested in in terms of um concept aware the subtitle is elements of the creative practice because the elements that you just brought out those decision making uh choices that layer your concept like you took one after the other and played with it um i i have so many more questions but i want to make sure that we give people time so i'm gonna say um deb if um if anyone's, I haven't looked at the chat, if anyone has a question in the chat, and I think we have a, a, a group where if anyone wants to unmute and ask the question, and I have probably four more slides, so I will slide through those as we, as we let the audience ask their questions. Yes, we don't have any questions in the chat, so anyone who would like to unmute themselves, please feel free. I just highlighted the quotes that that stood out to me. Working with Darius was really interesting too because he had spent a lot of time. So Darius is the, uh, uh, I think I think the, the title is international head of, of of photographs at Christie's. So he understands photography all over the world. He has a very knowledgeable person, um, and earlier on when we were all in our 20s i met him in the desert because he used to work for a gallery in in new mexico mm -hmm. uh, and it was interesting for me to to circle back to him and say there is would you write mm -hmm. uh, something because you and i have an understanding of the desert that uh, could be really this could be the moment for you to write something for the book and all the writers that, that working together we would we would meet and we would have a back and forth conversation and and Darius, when I approached him, he's like, I got it. <laughs> and then and then he disappeared. And then when he came back, he sent the text and he sent the text to the 
to, to, to me, but together to everyone at Thames and Hudson. And what happened is that, uh, you know, sometimes you like to have a conversation or you adjust a few things before you send it out. But with Darius, there was this incredible thing where when I receive, when I'm collaborating with a writer, um, it's really a one-on-one -on -one conversation between the writer and me. But he sent to a, a very corporate, a very big publishing house. And they all meet. And when they meet, they meet on a conference table and they all sit together. And in this case, because we're a pandemic, they were not on a conference table. But nonetheless, they were in a Zoom session all together. And they all read it. And it was, and then they got back to me. Uh, Andrew Seniger got back to me and he said, Mona, it was the first time that everyone on the on the table or on the Zoom agreed 100% with the text. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a really, it's really, I mean, it's a parallel text. It's not necessarily about my work, which I, I like the people looking at my work to have their own conclusions and, and to, to make their own associations depending on where they are in their lives. And it's like a novel. I like that to open up and bloom in their own minds. I don't want anyone telling them what to see, but, uh, and, and that's why I think his text is interesting where it's, he makes parallels that, that crisscross a bit with the work, but that lives on its own. So re I, read the text if you guys yeah. get the book. Well, I was so impressed because over, over the, I loved how lyrical it was and each person was different and that, you know, in, you were literally, um, you sparked inspiration of Greek mythology, of Salvador Dali, of T.S. Eliot. And it's so wonderful to see like how Rumi, uh, I think I end with a right, right. Rumi. So you have brought out, uh, you know, definitely if you ever needed confirmation of your um, planting something that is a, um, uh, has the heritage of seeds of, of art history, you are seeing it like a cultural history. So I think that your, your desire to uh, keep the sentence going or add to it, it has happened because uh, the interpretations are, are, are literally stitching your work to those that have stood the test of time, which is what yeah. you're talking about too, that when you do the, um, when you were talking about working with the um, the nudes, when you were saying allow life to enter the work and how that is lasting. And I think that's what any reference that someone had from other cultural, whether painter, writers, has yeah. that lasting impact too. Yeah. but. I but I saw like this this happened this happened too where we were able to have these conversations also with um Elizabeth Evadon, who I see here with yeah. us. Yeah. So Elizabeth and I know each other for a long time. And um I wanted to do the interview with her. Uh, I approached her and I said, and 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 it was this thing, it's like, oh my god, we know each other for so long. We have had interviews along the way. Um should we like initially we thought let's just kind of put things together and, and, and see where it goes but then because of the pandemic and because of knowing her for so long we were able and we had more time to really have such uh, more deeper conversations than ever before we thought that we knew each other from before because we had so much contact along the way but then during the 
during last year, we had such much deeper conversations and that was brought into uh, the interview. And I think that in a way, I'm very grateful in a bizarre way for the pandemic, just because it gave us more time. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, it made a lot. Yes, I think it, it instigated reflection on, on so many levels. Um, and I just wanna ask, because did someone start to ask a question? I... Yes, we, we have a question um, regarding the models that Mona chooses. How does she pick them? There seems to be a homogeny of body types, at least amongst the images shown today. Uh, right. So depends where I am, because we're talking about so many different bodies of work. Uh, so when you look at my earlier work, I mean, uh, that work was done in France. Um, the work was done, let's just say, I, I don't remember exactly the dates, but let's just say between between 1998 or so until, let's just say, 2005, 2006. I was younger, the people I photographed were younger, um, and the people that, and, and it was Europeans, I mean, friends. So I had a group of people to photograph that were a mixture of French, Dutch, and German. Um, so that was it. When you look at the work that I did in Brazil, uh, I wanted to photograph people. My, my intent was to photograph people that could. I was gone from Brazil for more than 20 years, and I had a question inside of me. Could who who would have been my friends if I had stayed? So in 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 asking myself that, I went back and I and I and I looked for people that could have been my friends if I had stayed in Brazil, and also people that would like this is a, this is part of native, and also people that would have been um, with me or would like to participate. So there is a tendency for people that want to participate in 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 collaborating in the nude, more often than not are people that are comfortable in their bodies. More often than not are people, I don't choose people, right? I don't do a casting. I don't tell a casting director, I'm looking for this body type and this age range. I meet people, I talk to them uh, and they, and, and in talking, they might say, oh, I would like to be part of your work. I could see myself collaborating with you. And we kind of, I like to think that we find each other. So I find a creative person and I'm also a creative person and we want to do something together. So yes, there's a tendency that maybe someone that feels more comfortable with themselves uh, is more spontaneous about being in the nude. But early on, you also saw, and in, okay, and in, in terms of ethnic background in Brazil, I have a different variation. I have a Brazilian. Uh, so for example, this person, her name is Marina. She is uh, a, a mixture of Portuguese, um, in Brazilian Indian, which is called Tupi, and the, the, the Africans that came to the north of Brazil. Marina is from the north and had come to Sao Paulo. I photographed her in the southeast of Brazil. So I was able to photograph a mixture that is in the Brazilian um, uh, ethnic background. Uh, I would not have found a 2P Portuguese African person in France where I photographed that earlier work, you see? So it's about, uh, it's not so much about a list of what has to be in the work, it's more about the people that I meet along the way and naturally would like to be in my work. Um, in the Bordeaux series, I was able to photograph a little bit more uh, people that came 
in and around the city of Bordeaux, including the University of Bordeaux. Some of the people that I photographed were art students that were in the University of Bordeaux, and the University of Bordeaux is more based French, but they also have Muslim French, and they also have Algerian French. So you find that in my work um, in the Bordeaux series. And then the bushes and succulents, I had women from all ages and all ethnic backgrounds and all body types. It's just a matter of really opening those books and looking at it. Mm -hmm. But yes, uh, I, you know, early on, early on, Sibylla showed the image of that older woman being held uh, by the hands of her men leaning on him. Mm -hmm. And I have a whole series of elderly that I photograph. Uh, they liked being in the work. I find them to be really intriguing and important part of my work. Um, but, and they enjoyed being part of it. And I always give prints to the people that I photograph. So all of that happened. But the moment also happened where I asked them, I went back to many of them. I photographed, I don't know, a whole series of more than a hundred people. And when I went back, I, I never asked for permission for a model release in advance. I allow the work to grow, they receive the print, I double, triple check, they're okay with things. And only then, even after I have done an edit, I say, may I use specifically this image for to, to including my work? And then, only then they can say yes or no to me. So in that sense, I'm not dictating much. I'm giving them complete power of saying at the end of it, say, eh, I don't want it. And that happened to the elderly because I didn't realize when I was doing the, 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 the work, um, they enjoyed the attention, they enjoyed being in the photo shoot, they enjoyed being uh, in, in the collaboration, they understood my artistic intention, but none of us realized that the moment one or two years later, because I work very slow and I build up a series, one or two years later when I went back and said, uh, do I have your permission to include this portrait or that portrait? You know, I have a choice of maybe three from everything that we photographed. Are you okay with, with these three choices? And only then we sat down for a moment and they realized, you know, I didn't think I was going to tell you this, Mona. I am okay with it. But I didn't realize that my daughter is married to this family and they're very conservative. I did not realize the ramifications. So when I'm photographing other people, you imagine this tree, this oak tree that has a thousand ramifications above the earth and below the earth in the roots. And they have a, a thousand other concerns that I that never cross our mind. Even when we were free photographing and, and they enjoyed it, they, didn't, they themselves didn't realize. So I stopped the project for a moment, but I didn't stop because I didn't feel the beauty on, on, on the elderly or the older body. Mm -hmm. Mona, I think we have another question from Dawn. Yeah. Hi, yes. I, I'll just read what I wrote. That there's such a sense of presence and mindful presence that infuses your work and how you live your life. And I just made, made me wonder if you actually have a formal meditation practice or is that just some how you've managed to that is sort of a guiding force for you, how you are in every moment. Because there's there's this richness and this immediacy that um, you know was really unique and resonant. So yeah, I I 
you know, I got to photography because I'm restless. And that in a way has persisted in my life. So I have, I want to do meditation. I want to uh, uh, have a moment for myself. I haven't been able to. I also have an 11 year old son. I am doing too many things. I miss seeing my friends over, over uh, the, you know, Mother's Day, for example. On Mother's Day, I invited four other families that don't, that families that don't have mother who are friends with my friends. And I feel that I need to give or make their day a little better. So in doing so, I need to, I, need, I mean, I'm just sharing honestly my life. In doing so, I am busy preparing for them and doing things or Memorial Day, I wanted to see my friends for the first time again. And I wanted to invite them for barbecue. So I am someone that I feel that I, I, I like to give and maybe that's my meditation. Um, but in doing so much, I then don't have the moment for myself, which at times makes me, uh, you know, nervous or at, at, at times is I create my own chaos in a way but I think that in chaos I also find my creativity um, but what I have done and was very helpful in the last year is that a lot of my friends had sent um, a, a meditation a, a podcasts to mm. me that they recommend and I wasn't able necessarily my, my body is too busy so I wasn't able to sit and listen but what i did which was fantastic i had it on my iphone and i would hike and listen mm. and that to me was great because it opened up so many um doors and windows and it was so uh, uh important for me but but also i realized that maybe intuitively i am kind of there is just that they the, the is more of an organized way that I was listening to them mm. and, and that was very 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 helpful and and I like I like to do that that's maybe maybe now to answer circling back to your question I think my meditation maybe sometimes early early I try to wake up a little earlier and may maybe one or twice a week I go for a, a hike around I live in Laurel Canyon so it's a little canyony around here and I uh, listen to a podcast. Yeah, that, that moving meditation. That's a, that's it's a move, yeah, it's a moving meditation. But I also, for me, being with people is so important. Um, human connection. Um, it was, for me, the pandemic was very difficult because it, it's hard. It hurts me. At the end of this session right now, we're going to all say goodbye and we're going to say how wonderful it was and we're going to hit the button that ends the meeting. And it that hurts me. Mm -hmm. uh, at the end, I, uh, you know, if we were all in the same room, we would also say goodbye and it's fine. It's fine to say goodbye, but there will be a hug or there will be, or some people would linger a little longer. The fact that we all disappeared at the same time, it's inconceivable in my mind. It's really bizarre and it's awful. At the same time, it's what it is. And we're doing those things. Um, but, but yeah, so I think that the, I think that, what makes me busy and what makes me connect with people is what makes me feel good. I, I would venture to say that your photography is a meditation. And, and that too, like uh, I do, I do transfer all that, you know, uh, the, the editing 
I think, Sibylla, like looking even more closely into this, like the editing is probably my, my meditation because I look at the images for a long time. I look at them very quietly and I see some images are obviously great and you know you got something wonderful, but, but then to me, they don't seem to last. And the quiet images are the ones that last and have, you know, like this Imogen Cunningham image is not the most famous of hers at all. Mm -hmm. but but to me that's the one that has the most questions and it keeps on giving it keeps on giving mm -hmm. um, and so when I'm editing I put all the work up and I put all of the images you know I obviously take the 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 if they you know the technical ones that went wrong I obviously put them on the side but the other ones without without censoring if I think I did a good job or not I just put all of them up and and then I uh, let them sit there and I think maybe that's the meditative moment where I every day I look at them and every day I, I have a cork board a really big cork board where I can put a, a, a ton of images and I um, every day I take a few out and sometimes I take some really really great images out and sometimes I have the gallery pe person comes here and say no this is great and we can sell this and I said yeah but that's not really my vocabulary mm. or or yes, but it, it, it's too quick, it's too immediate. And I like those that are maybe a little more quiet and maybe more lasting. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so maybe that, that, that part is a little more meditative in that sense, where the meditation then is a little bit more like, um, uh, there is a difference there between an image of a person that I know and I care about my relationship with them and the image and, and the same image if it does or not have metaphors or if it continues a, a conversation mm -hmm. uh, in the arts so uh, i need time to separate those two things and then i need time to also unravel some of those metaphors mm -hmm. wow yeah and the idea of giving yourself the time to do that um, and separating from some of your expectations, you know, like you said, that are relational potentially um, and, and letting it, 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 again, it makes me keep it, uh, my analogy keeps going back to chemistry, not a favorite subject, yeah. but that idea of that you let stuff happen and it transforms and then you're like, oh, here it is. And you take it. Um, right. I feel that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think there is, you know, uh, we go to, to, to school and we learn a lot of things and there is the intelligence like there is because at the beginning of this conversation, we talk about the mind and the body. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and to me, it's the mind, the body and the soul. Mm -hmm. So to me is sometimes a lot of things that I learned, the tangibles are all in the mind and the intangibles are in the soul. And, and my body has to deal with all of that. So, so I think that um, I think that in terms of intelligence, um, there is there is that that, that acquired intelligence because you learn uh, things, technical things. But then there is that intuitive too. And I think that the intuitive intelligence, or even further. Uh, some understanding or embracing some unconsciousness and i think that that is uh, a very fruitful thing i think it's very you know it's a, there is an abundance there mm -hmm. 
Absolutely. Well, it's interesting. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking Dawn, that is not news to you in terms of the work that you're doing too. Um, so yeah, I, I, I love this. I, I, I do hate to end and I'm, I'm still mad that I'm not having like a meal with you, um, and something to drink, but, um, but I, I, I do mind the, the time that we've asked people to be here. And um, Mona, thank you so much. I, I knew that, um, as I said, it's unscripted. We go in a lot of different ways. I literally have like a whole other page that I could have like pulled out. Um, but it's just all along, you've always been very generous um, with um, how you see. And, um, and I think that we, uh, as viewers just are given so much because of the clarity of your vision. And, and even that idea that you would turn to a gallerist and say, mm, not, not the tone I want out in the world for me and owning it. I mean, that is incredible. Um, so I'm so yeah. glad you could share that with us. And, and what's really interesting, I wasn't planning on June being my month of diving into nudes, but I am um, big time. It makes me want to go to, to France. And I don't know if Rob Riaseco is still on the call, but he's someone who I think has been there with you. Uh, and um, it's really interesting to think of ourselves in our own skin. Um, our next guest on the book group is Renee Jacobs, and she is a lesbian photographer in American in France doing work that is erotic. Um, and what is yeah. that view? And, yeah. then, and then we turn to Jocelyn Lee, who did a monograph called Sovereign, and it's all women over 60. Um, you know, so, it, you know, talk about synergy and um, synchronicity. I don't know what landed me here, but um, <laughs> it's yeah. really, and I, I'm think, interested. I yeah. think with the nudes, there's also something really important to understand that there are the, the artist needs to reflect themselves into the work, right? Mm -hmm. So we shouldn't be, like, it would be weird for me to try to do, like, the, the two other artists that you mentioned, if mm -hmm. I would do something that they're doing, like, it wouldn't come naturally yeah. to me. And then I, like, I think that nowadays there's this whole thing about, oh, you need to do this and you need to do that and you need to address this and address that. And I think that we're forgetting to understand our own nature mm -hmm. and to respect every person's kind of uh, creativity, mm -hmm. right? Like the creative, the creative, uh, the creative, I, I, I like to say sometimes I'm teach, I, I teach and I say, you know, the creative energy is like a little, little bird inside of you. You don't, you, you want to take care of it. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it teaches you something unexpected. Um, and and I think that that is something really important to allow yourself to follow, uh, you know, to follow something in you and to understand life because life is also a river like that takes you into certain certain places and you meet certain people. Um, because sometimes I, I just want to say sometimes you go to, to the to colleges and universities and you have this project. And, and maybe the project fit or doesn't fit in your life. Mm -hmm. And I think one of the nicest thing is when you're able to blend your life and your art, when that comes together, I think that that has a lot of uh, 
continuity that has an honesty about the work and that has also more is, is more sustainable you can do a lot of it because it is you mm -hmm. it's your expression well it's also yes and it's also going to inherently be unique and original um, you know, I, I, I work with people on their process and when I'm working with someone whose focus is on the product, their eyes are in the wrong place. The product will take care of itself if you work and really concentrate on your process. And, um, and trends uh, are unfortunate. Um, and, and, and frankly, sometimes, like you mentioned a little bit, um, successes because then people are like, oh, this is you. And it's like, no, I'm in that river and what's coming up next may not look anything like that, you know? And it's this idea that we don't wanna repeat and we can't put ourselves into someone else's frame. It's like really figuring out your yeah. own and owning it. Yeah, yeah, being, yeah. yeah. So I actually look forward to the next to the next uh, talks as well, because just like when we started, I when you mentioned you have a class on creativity, I said, "Whoa, I would like, I would love to attend." <laughs> yes, actually, well, I used so in your in the elements that I put you in. Then I think I put you in reflection. Um, I think I did because I, I like, knew. You know, thank and, you. I like that one. <laughs> and and I mean, metaphor obviously is there. And then if you look. My my framework has eight elements, and ironically, the the trend is that three work often together. Right. And, and I try to help people find out what are their three major ways of seeing. Right. So, well, I'm I know I am so happy for your way of seeing because it has totally um, just been something that was you know it was really fun to um be such a fan and then meet you and then be able to have conversations like collegially about a lot of issues that we didn't even touch on today yeah. uh, well we touched on some uh in terms of being a woman in this field and um and just i i think of your joie de vivre it's like i mean i i know that it's brazil germany and france but you definitely picked up the you know, there's, yeah. you took the best of all of it from those cultures in terms of um, uh, blending art and life. Right, yeah. right. Um, I like to say, I like to say, well, first of all, Sibila, we'll continue. We'll yeah. continue. We will have many of these. We can have many of these in different angles and continue. Yeah. I have a feeling I would love, I would love to talk to you about everything. Yeah. Um, but then, um, I like I like to say because of the Brazilian German background that I, that I'm like uh, German during the week and Brazilian on the weekend. <laughs> That's fantastic. I I have to tell you because you just made me think of this, but I share a birthday. Um, my neighbor and I have the same birthday, literally ten years apart. We were celebrating a particular one that ends in a zero, and we got crazy one Christmas because it's in the summer thinking about it and we said that's it we're having a block party and we did and of course what does he do but he literally invited people from Brazil we had a samba band because my friend actually has a samba band we closed our street and we had Amazing. a block party it was hilarious so um yeah I when was that Sibylla that was oh my god it was a dozen years ago 
Ah, okay, okay, okay. Oh, oh. I, I thought it, you were already samba out of the pandemic. No, no, but you know it's really no, 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 not it's not till the summer. Oh yeah. Um, but you know what? Now that you're making me think of it, a million years ago, I was actually in uh, a, a samba band. Oh, you see, I catch I catch some vibe there. So funny. It was actually all instrumental and it was all women. Uh, it's so, so funny. Nice. I hadn't thought about that. We were called the Batucada Bells. Oh yeah, the Batucada. Oh my God, this, I mean, this is the Batucada series here. Made the tambourine. It's like I forgot, but I did. And in fact, I was in a. Um, we played in Boston. I had moved here, and uh, there's something called First Night on um, on uh, New Year's Eve, and I our band was in First Night, and. Yeah. Yeah. But you see, this realization that you just had now, when I was putting the retrospective book together, I uh, was having those realizations just out of the blue yeah. of something that maybe at the time you didn't think that your, that your repercussion group yeah. would have any micro influence in becoming this, 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 this wonderful thing that you created now where you bring people together and, and, and to talk about the arts, but it has yeah had an impact yes 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 that's so fun just i hadn't i hadn't put all of that together yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. i'm i am glad i'm glad uh, i sent some, I'm, I'm glad i presence this this moment here yeah, with me you too. thank you for reminding me of my brazilian dot of yeah yeah that's so fun so mona thank you so much okay. thank everybody that thank you for having me and for uh showing me showing having a chance to show my work to your audience to you know all these wonderful people um and this is what i do my tricks now when i say goodbye i immediately put some fun music on ah there you go cool good i do you have any spotify lists did you make any i haven't you know i haven't made a spotify list I, I, my husband is a composer and my son, who is now 11, they, they kind of create all this kind of things. And I, I, I would you share, would you share one with us? Because we've done that with a lot of our artists. We've asked them, do they have a Spotify or do they listen to particular music when they're yeah. working? Yeah, I, I can, I can share one with you oh, for okay. sure. It's okay. very eclectic. <laughs> That's fine. I love eclectic. And okay. we have, we've, we have some really good Spotify's that have come out of everybody that we've talked to. So, yeah. Okay, good. Cool. Good. All right. Thank you so much, everybody. Take care. Thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you.